Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. Every week, we are here to educate you, challenge you, encourage you along your journey with intermittent fasting. You can check us out at fastinglane.com on Twitter and Instagram at fastinglane. So we have a cool guest this week. Her name is Cynthia Thurlow. She is a nurse practitioner, a functional nutritionist, and a two-time TEDx speaker. So it makes her a hundred percent better than me because I'm only a one-time TEDx speaker. Her passion is helping women find wellness through the healing power of nutrition and solving health problems from the inside out. Cynthia, how's it going? I'm doing great. As long as I can keep my dogs quiet, we're going to have a good, a good time together. <laughs> we love dogs on this show anyway, Cynthia. My dog is somewhere right now sitting on somebody's lap. So if the dogs make an appearance, we'll just say it was a, a cameo. It'll be great. <laughs> So I saw Cynthia's TEDx talk on intermittent fasting, and I honestly, Cynthia, I like how straightforward you are. I like how direct you are, and I like how you simplify things. Um, the way that you talked about it was simple, flexible, and free, and much like myself, you're a professional speaker, a professional woman, and a stone cold hottie, which is, you know, what's important, Cynthia, right? The total <laughs> package here. Yes, so thanks. I, I want to hear your whole story. I, I want to hear all about you. You know, how did you find intermittent fasting? Um, why do you do the particular thing that you do focusing on women and wellness? Mm -hmm. So give us the scoop on you. Yeah. So I think that the first question is always, how did I transition from being in clinical medicine to doing what I'm doing now? And, and the honest answer is I got tired of writing prescriptions. You know, you can imagine working in cardiology. That's all I did all day long. And I found it very uh, intellectually rigorous. And I certainly enjoyed the uh, opportunities that I had. I worked for a practice that allowed nurse practitioners to be very autonomous. So from my perspective, it allowed me to grow but I got to a point where I wasn't growing anymore. And I started to see more correlations with the foods that people were eating and whether they were or were not thriving or just surviving, getting by. So for me, I got to a point where I woke up one day and just decided I was going to take a leap of faith and jump into uh, the entrepreneurial space and how I made my way to intermittent fasting, which is a good story. Within a week's span of time, five years ago, my business coach, a nutrition professional friend of mine, and a healthcare provider friend of mine all mentioned it. And I thought we were perhaps onto something. And me being the typical scientific skeptic, it's like, I have to go look at the research and then I need to try it out. And I would say within a couple weeks of intermittent fasting and to be completely upfront, I'm a woman in my forties and in our forties, things just don't work as easily as they do in our twenties and thirties. And so for me, all of a sudden I had tremendous mental clarity. I had a lot more energy. I felt like my digestion was overall improved. And so I continued to, to use intermittent fasting as a strategy for you know, several years and started working it into the work that I was doing with women. You had asked how I fell into this female hormonal space uh, niche. And, and the honest answer is I, I, I literally ran into a wall with perimenopause and I started recognizing that a lot of the women that were gravitating towards me were struggling with the same issues trouble sleeping, weird food cravings, weight gain that they had never dealt with before, and otherwise just not feeling like they were connected with the person they felt intrinsically that they were. And so that was uh, you know, how I kind of pivoted to go from cardiology to kind of being a women's health expert. And I couldn't be happier. I, I feel like 
the strategy of intermittent fasting as, as one example is something that people can do throughout their lifetime. They can do it on vacation. I would say it's like you can pack it in a bag and take it with you anywhere. And it doesn't, it doesn't create another prescription. It doesn't create something that gets really complicated. And, and I always remind people that one of my favorite aspects of intermittent fasting is the flexibility. So you can do it from anywhere, any time zone, any location. You can say you don't want to fast one day and go back to it the following day. And I just feel intrinsically that this is where our bodies are designed to be, meaning that if you look at ancestral health perspectives, we didn't have refrigerators, we didn't have grocery stores, we would go out and kill something to eat, and we would probably fast for a couple of days till we found more food, or we'd eat things like probably berries, very uh, low glycemic berries, and probably some bark or twigs until we got more food again. And so I like to remind people that this is not something that's novel, although I think it's gaining momentum in terms of more and more people throughout the world are finding that it's, it's a great way to stay healthy and I think a lot of people like to focus on the weight loss benefits, but I always say it's so much more than that. Okay. So you said you, you heard about intermittent fasting five years ago. What area do you live in? Washington, DC. Okay. It's interesting because I did not hear about fasting until two years ago. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my anger from a lifetime of obesity and not having this information came from the fact that I didn't hear about it two years ago. So bariatric surgeries, multiple of them, uh, you know, calorie restriction, hypnosis, binge eating, treatment, everything. And not once did a doctor or anyone, nutritionist out of sauce, mm -hmm. say, what if you ate less often? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me, you were a nurse practitioner and it was different people that were talking about it. And so I always ask, you know, I live in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times I'll hear newer things in health start in California often, or sometimes New York, and then trickle around the country and, and get to different places. I think you're right about fasting breaking through right now, but it's interesting to me, to me, five years ago is a long time. Yeah, um, yeah and, and it absolutely was. And so you, you heard about it and it, it sounds like you tried it for yourself. So I look at you and I see a very fit woman um, very beautiful. And my assumption is that you've, and I always have this assumption and I know it's a stereotype in my head. It bothers me that I always think mm -hmm. this, but I see a fit person and I always make assumptions that they have always been fit and that they never struggled with their weight. So did, have you ever struggled with your weight? Did, what did fasting change for you personally in your weight and your health? Yeah, I think those are great points. Uh, I never struggled with my weight until I hit perimenopause. And I can assure you, I, I always say, like, I trained at one of the best research institutions in the world. <laughs> we never learned about perimenopause. So it wasn't until... And, and what uh, is perimenopause? Is that right before menopause? Yeah, I don't really so know I, what it is. Yeah, I, oh, I did a TED Talk on that too. Uh, okay, because I, I haven't seen I was so Yeah, I was so frustrated that there was not enough good information available to women it's the five to seven years preceding menopause. So for most okay. people, it's late 30s, early 40s. And so, you know, when I moved into the house that I'm in now, it was as if I got hit by a Mack truck. It was all of a sudden on a five foot three body, I had gained 10 pounds seemingly overnight. It probably was a little more gradual, but I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't get rid of it no matter what I did, it didn't matter what I ate, because I had a, I have a very, I've always been, I've always been a pretty good eater didn't matter how much I, how much of all the self-care pieces I did. And so I feel like intermittent fasting gave me back a, a more profound appreciation for 
how healthy I'd been before, obviously now I take things way seriously. It's like I, I say that, you know, whereas before maybe I didn't realize how critical all those components are. Now I look at self-care and intermittent fasting and the way that I choose to eat as being absolutely integral to me continuing to, uh, and I don't like to use the word age in reverse because I am the age I am and I'm not the least bit embarrassed to say I'm 48, but I can tell you that uh, there is a, a limiting belief in our society that women hit north of 35, 40, 45, whatever age it is that people believe it is, that they somehow have to accept that wherever they are weight-wise or how tired they are or how poor their sleep is or whether or not they're having hot flashes, that they have to accept that as just a function of aging. And so I like to turn it on its head and say, you know, I tend to be a disruptor and I just believe that we need to look at these, these times in a woman's life a little differently. And I think we need to be more focused on quality life issues, quality of food issues, fasting a little bit more. And that doesn't mean to extremes, but I think it really involves looking at women in a way that if, if 50% or 47% of our lifetime is after menopause, why would we want it not to still be fantastic and energetic and still feel that we're viable? You know, obviously we're no longer childbearing once we go through menopause, but if we live another 40 years, why would we want it to be where we're just feeling like we're, you know, we're invisible or, you know, our sleep quality is so poor that we can barely, you know, drag our butts through our day. So I, I think that, uh, you know, perimenopause for me was a really humbling time. I had never gone through the experience of, you know, what many of my patients and friends had told me over the years that they would, they would say, I gain weight. I don't understand why. And then looking at the pieces as to what contributes to that. And that's the hormone piece that absolutely can make it more challenging for women to harness. Uh, I always call it finding your inner goddess, you know, this kind of um, feeling that I think a lot of women, they, they feel like they've lost her and somehow they need to find her again. So I'm 40, I will be 46 next week. I have not experienced any of the symptoms you're talking about, but I have also adopted intermittent fasting and eating low carb for the past mm -hmm. two years. So I wonder if, I wonder if that has kept me from experiencing those things or helped lessen what I would experience. Um, can you talk more about the stages of menopause? Cause I really don't know about it. And I, I was feeling off lately, just emotionally. And I think you and I had to reschedule cause I was feeling so off emotionally. Um, and I, I, I had a friend suggest that I get my hormones tested and then I started feeling better and I, I didn't. And so mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your suggestions about the stages of menopause. How does intermittent fasting play a role in the body's hormones? Um, and, and what else you can teach us about how we take care of ourselves through that transition? Yeah. So perimenopause, as I mentioned, is the five to seven years preceding menopause. And it's when our body is kind of petering out. You know, women are, are born with the amount of eggs that they have available. So it, unlike men that replenish their sperm every several days, it just isn't the same. And so as our body is producing less and less progesterone, predominantly by the ovaries as we're heading into this period, our adrenal glands will help pick up the slack. They help our body, you know, augment, you know, production of the hormone progesterone. And if anyone remembers the back, probably back from high school biology classes or maybe college, you know, our bodies, when we're menstruating, when we're getting our periods, we have phases in the menstrual cycle where estrogen will predominate at the first phase of the menstrual cycle and then progesterone. So as our bodies are producing less and less progesterone, puts a little bit more of a lean on those adrenal glands. And we'll talk about those in a second. 
But what becomes of issue is that you get this relative, relative meaning that as you're producing less progesterone, your body is, is still producing the same amount of estrogen, but you have this imbalance between these two hormones. So a lot of the symptoms that people start experiencing, sometimes it can be anxiety and depression. For some people, it's sleep disturbances. Um, they may notice that they're gaining a little bit of weight. Maybe their breasts are more tender. They may have very heavy, I call it the crime scene period. Uh, anyone that's experienced that, you know what I'm, I'm referring to. I used to say that if I got my period when I was rounding in the hospital, it was kind of it was kind of, I wasn't 100% sure I was going to not have my own issue while I was in the hospital. So beginning stages, that can typically be what happens. And for many people, what I find is 20s and 30s, we get away with a lot. We can eat just about anything we want. I say just about anything we want. We can get away with not sleeping enough. We can get away with out of control stress. When we hit our 40s, it's a different game. Meaning if you're not taking care of you, your body will let you know. And for me, when I was starting to go through perimenopause, I had very intense conditioning classes. I was not sleeping enough. I had a super stressful job. I had a husband who traveled and I had young kids. So I had multiple layers of stressors on my body that created a situation where uh, I, I was just very inflamed. Inflamed from the foods I was eating, inflamed from the stress, inflamed from the lack of sleep and the you know, intense exercise on my body. So I, I truly believe that the better you take care of yourself, in perimenopause, the better your transition to menopause will be. And I suspect that's why you're feeling like over the last two years that you really haven't had uh, you know, a negative experience. You know, some women really hit their 40s hard and they look very tired, they gain weight, they um, are achy all the time, uh, they feel very disconnected from their bodies, they may have no libido, all things that I don't think any of us desire to have. So that's the beginning of perimenopause. And as we transition, closer and closer to menopause, our periods may get uh, more sporadic. Uh, you may go a couple months without having a period and then have a very light period. Uh, your symptoms as you're transitioning, again, have a lot to do with how well you take care of yourself. So some women blissfully go from having periods to not having periods. But what I find is most women go to the fatigue, the, the cravings for sugar and for coffee and chocolate and all sorts of things to kind of pick them up to boost those adrenals, which are really struggling to to support their bodies. Um, people have terrible hot flashes, drenching hot flashes, hot flashes when they sleep, hot flashes during the day. And unfortunately, there's this mindset that all hot flashes are attributable to low estradiol. Estradiol is the predominant form of estrogen that our bodies produce while we're still getting our periods. And so I've come to find it's far more complicated than that. It can be from blood sugar dysregulation. It can be from inflammation. It can be from you know just poor self-care and stress management. So as we transition to menopause, which is a 12-month period of time when we don't have a period, super mm -hmm. sexy, I know. I didn't uh, know my, that. Yeah. So for my friends who've made that transition, they're excited because they're like, oh, no more days of tampons and pads and all, you know, menstruation cups and all these things. But it's also this emotional, for many people, um, they go from being a viable in terms of reproduction to being non-viable. And I think for many people, if they're not in a good place in their lives, that can be very hard for them emotionally, meaning they may, be, they may really feel like they're grieving their fertility. And so I always look at women and try to tell them that, you know, instead of grieving your fertility, look at it's one less thing to worry about. You, there's no chance you're getting pregnant. You don't have to worry yes. about, you know, when did I last get my period and do I have supplies with me if I'm not at home or if I'm traveling or an upset stomach, like how many of us got upset stomachs before we got our period because of 
progesterone. So that's a very, very, very brief overview of what kind of transition no, to our body. You taught me so much. Like there was so much of that. I, I really didn't know. And now I'm, I'm wondering because, um, I had the reverse situation where my entire adult life, I took very awful care of myself, uh, with weight, with, uh, stress, with work and everything. And just for the past two years, I've, I've taken good care of myself. However, recently in the past two months, I'm feeling some of the things you're talking about even though I'm fasting and I'm wondering what I need to do. So I've, my husband says I'm not focused and I feel depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I had a friend that died and it makes sense to feel depressed, but I, I think I felt it more than I would normally have expected to. And it lingered longer. And I have made some changes in my life to lessen my dependence on technology. Cause I felt like I was getting addicted to it more and more anxiety, which I don't, I never have anxiety. So this is right. a bizarre feeling. Right. So what would you suggest for someone like me who is doing intermittent fasting? Um, but some of these, those are the issues I've, I've, uh, come across. I don't, none of the others. Mm -hmm. Um, should I look at stepping up my fasting? Should I go to a doctor and have my hormones tested? Should I do something else? Cause I am this age as you're, you're talking about, I'm about to be 46. Yeah. This makes sense. Yeah, you're, um, in that, you're definitely in that sweet spot. I would say first yeah. and foremost, to reassure you, the brain fog and just feeling you know, anxious or sad is very common. And so I think there's a test called the Dutch. And so it's a very special test. It's dried urine and saliva. And that to me is clinically one of the most valuable tests that I use. Uh, there are you know, lots of people throughout the United States and elsewhere that can run that test, but it requires a bit of a bit of education because it's a complicated test to run but it will it'll show how you metabolize the three forms of estrogen testosterone okay. dha cortisol melatonin a slew of other things and patterns that we're looking for and i find many many women as they transition into perimenopause will get an underactive thyroid and so an underactive thyroid can mitigate a lot of what you're experiencing as well so doing a full thyroid panel which means a tsh a free T3 and T4, total T3 and T4, reverse T3, as well as antibodies is really, really critical. And not every Western medicine trained provider is ordering all of those tests. I think it's important to look at an iron panel, a full iron panel, to look at vitamin D. I mean, there's a whole slew of things that I think are really reasonable. But what I also find is that gut imbalances can make all of those things worse. So looking at food sensitivity, because you can be eating super healthy food. Like I'll use avocado as an example. I do food sensitivity testing on my patients and myself once a year because I want to know. And it's very likely it could be foods that you're eating healthy foods. Hmm. Maybe you need to pull out or maybe you're eating too frequently. And then I really like to do a deep dive into gut health and see what imbalances could be going on there. And for a lot of people that are listening, it's not super sexy to talk about poop, but one of the ways that we in perimenopause we help ameliorate um, you know, this, this estrogen issue. Um, and again, estrogen is a normal hormone. I don't want anyone thinking it's a bad hormone. The, the way that we can help with this relative imbalance between progesterone and estrogen is to make sure that we are pooping out our estrogen. And so ensuring that the estrobiome, which is the gut microbiome, is functioning properly. You know, When our gut is healthy, we're able to convert inactive to active thyroid hormone, T4 to T3, it's also a place where we can package up the extra estrogen. So for anyone that's listening, that's not pooping every day. That is something you want to get on top of ASAP. So, so 2 million women 
I learned from you, go through menopause each year. And here we are talking about menopause and talking about poop. And I feel totally comfortable because <laughs> you're a nurse practitioner, you're yeah. a fellow woman. And, but, but so many people feel so uncomfortable mm -hmm. about it. And I'm, I'm just curious to know why you think that is and what we can do to open a conversation with women further to take care of themselves physically and mentally instead of being ashamed of something that is happening to everyone if we're lucky enough to live this long. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's such a great point. And why does that happen? I think societally, there's a focus on youth. There's an over-focus on youth. I think that uh, either things we see in print ads or on TV or movies we watch, there's a focus on you know women being youthful and then they're kind of forgotten about. You know, I, I forget if it was Meryl Streep, uh, but I believe she said, you know, once I hit 35, you know, the, and obviously she's one of the most gifted actresses of her generation, our generation, but yeah. she was saying that the, the tide shifts in terms of the perception of women over a certain age and, and you decide for yourself what age that is. Uh, I, I would argue that, uh, you know, it really depends on you as an individual, but I, I think that it, it's a societal expectation slash pressure. I think that there's, there's a strong focus on teenage women, which as there should be. Uh, people in childbearing ages, contraception, pregnancy, infertility, uh, you know, post-delivery, young years with children. And then it's almost like women become invisible. And mm -hmm. I think as more and more women are living longer, you know, we need to be our own best advocates and say and demand for ourselves that there be as many resources available. I mean, I probably have every single book that was written on perimenopause and menopause because when I, before I did my first TED Talk, I, I was like, I'm just curious to know what information is out there. And it's very limited. There's far yeah. more focus on when women are younger, and yet we're all living longer. Uh, but I also think that there's some degree of shame. I, I, I think that women, as we get older, um, you know, we grieve, you know, I always say it's the push-pull of, of life and that you maybe didn't appreciate things when you were a little younger. And then as you get a little older, you, you, you kind of say, gosh, I should have, I should have appreciated that more. You know, sometimes when I see a 20 year old woman and I'm like, gosh, look at her skin. I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, I just didn't appreciate it enough at that point. You know, how, how youthful, how collagen and elastin are at their highest. And even when I look at my kids, I'm like, their skin's amazing. But the point being that I think some of it's societal, I think it's, it's, it's work that we all need to do as women because I don't want to go back to being 20. I'm happy where I am. But I also recognize that, you know, that my, you know, the focus on looks that is so pervasive in our society, if you don't work on the inside, you will struggle. I see women every single day who feel so much pressure to, uh, to look a certain way or be a certain way or be perfect or appear to be perfect. And I tell them, I'm like, that's exhausting. You know, maybe you felt that way when you were 25. But what I think is far more interesting is, you know, the relationships I develop with women as I get older are so much more deep and rich because we're looking for connection and we are looking for the ability to uh, feel like our, our, our lives are more representative than just the physical exterior, which is but a shell, right? Um, so I, I think there's a lot of different reasons why that happens. But I, I think that not only do healthcare providers, but we as women need to really rally and, and demand better and say, you know what? This is not the way things need to be. I don't want this to be the narrative. I don't want to buy into these limiting beliefs. I am not invisible. I am still viable. 
uh, I have so much to contribute and, and I'm on a mission. And so everyone's mission's a little different, but if, first and foremost, if you don't work on the inside, then you're going to struggle more with the aging process in general. You just will, because you, if it's all superficial, then that's kind of boring, right? There's not a lot Cynthia, of stuff. you and I were totally freaking supposed to meet. I am, I'm so <laughs> excited right now. We see things very similarly. So first of all, I think, I hope that women in all ways are, are changing what it looks like mm-hmm. to have a long kick-ass life. Um, and I forget her name, but there was a woman in Austin, I believe in Austin, Texas, who won the first like equivalent of the Nobel Peace Prize, but in mathematics, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody I think is really interesting. And then like, we get to decide what we focus on, whether it's our mm-hmm. inside or our outside or both. And we get to choose exactly mm-hmm. w- the kind of person we want to be. Mm-hmm. I think that JLo and Shakira really oh, moved it. things forward yeah. uh, with their halftime show at the Super Bowl. And, and like everybody, all of us, including me sitting there like, how old are they again? We're just like practically breaking Google to look up how old Shakira is, 43, how old JLo is, 50. And we're like, see that? They're women who are our age, being hot, being performers, owning the stage, making political statements, I think, through their their performances and and being sexy and gorgeous. We get to decide. It doesn't mean we have to be sexy and gorgeous, but I'll be honest. I look at you and I see a gorgeous, intelligent woman. And I can see that you work at that and your insides match your outside. And it's a very comfortable, amazing place to be. My situation's weird in the fact that for 24 years, I felt like crud and my insides Mm -hmm. didn't match my outside. So I had all the success, but my outside felt awful and I felt unhealthy. And now all of a sudden for me, I'm at the healthiest weight I've been since I was 18 years old. And all I want to do, Cynthia, is kick ass in business and do it in tight dresses. You know, that's all I really want to do. Because I am not invisible and I don't plan to be until Mm -hmm. the day I die. And I think it's so exciting to see women getting older and older and owning whatever they want it is in life and, and just going for it. So I loved everything you said, and I just want to go have a margarita with you. All right. <laughs> so how That's does intermittent good. fasting help with interpersonal relationships and self-esteem? So I, I know you talk about all these things that can help. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've written a book with Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos called Life in the Fasting Lane. Well, this is it right here, Cynthia. I got to send you a copy. Oh, please do. I can't wait and- to read it. I'm so pumped because I, when I read books about fasting, I, I liked them, but what I wanted was this book, which is mm-hmm. I want the best doctor who knows about this to tell me the medical side of it. I want the best researcher who has helped patients and answered all these uncomfortable questions, including about menopause mm-hmm. and sex and you know all these things that we're embarrassed to talk about, Megan Ramos. And the thing that I was missing is I want that best friend voice, which is Mm -hmm. me, somebody who failed in every way, which I'm super good at failing for weight and uh, health, and then found the answers for her. But I wanted to hear it just, I wanted people to hear it simply, because I think we all want to take the easiest route. We want to be as Mm -hmm. lazy as possible, and we want to put in the least amount of effort because we often have kids, our dogs, Mm -hmm. our husbands, our partners, our jobs that we're trying to get back to. So we really talked about lifestyle and emotions in here. And I know this is one of the areas that you talk about. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about how you feel fasting can help relationships, how a person feels about themselves and self-esteem. 
Yeah. Well, first and foremost, we can't want to make those changes for anyone else. It has to be that true intrinsic motivation within ourselves. So if anyone that's listening, I always like people to really think about what's important to them, what their goals are, what's realistic. And so to me, intermittent fasting connects you to your body. Uh, you absolutely can recognize true intrinsic hunger versus eh, it's you know eight o'clock in the morning, it's time to go get a donut, and then I'm gonna go get a glass of orange juice, and I'm gonna set myself up for this topsy-turvy blood sugar uh, spiral throughout the day. So first and foremost, it connects you to your body. You know, to me, the longer I fast, the more it's a spiritual experience for me. It is uh, so much about recognizing how powerful I feel in my body. And, and that doesn't mean that I do crazy long fasts because I don't. I'm, I'm not one of those people who loves doing two and three day fasts. Have I done them? Yes. Do I love them? No. 24 yeah. hours is about as long as I go. Uh, and to me, it's, it's a lot of a spirit. It's a lot of a mindset thing. So for me, I, I look at it as a challenge. It's like, I can do a 24 hour fast. I can totally do this. And I'm usually good until about 20 hours and the last four kind of, they're definitely hard. It's like everything, every smell is magnified. <laughs> everything is magnified. My sense of smell, my sense of taste. I mean, I can feel my taste buds watering as I'm looking at what my kids are eating or my husband. And so, you know, it's a physical, it's a spiritual, um, you know, definitely a journey. But I think it's also for me being a 48 year old woman, I feel like a badass if I can put a bathing suit on and rock it, or I can put on a dress and get on and do something on TV or go to a business event and people can see that I emulate everything that I'm, I'm encouraging them to do. It's like, I don't do anything that I don't, that I don't do, suggest to anyone else what I don't, uh, I don't do myself. And so I think that's really powerful to say to people, you know, this is something that you can, you can be your best self irrespective of what age you are. So I don't buy, I always openly tell people I'm 48 because people somehow assume, which I think is very nice, maybe I'm younger and I have to remind them, no, 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 I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. And I'm proud of that because I've had all these life experiences. But you know, I think on multiple levels, I think it's this physical, mental slash spiritual, and then also just feeling like a bit of a badass. And what's wrong with that? I mean, I think women sometimes feel ashamed of feeling confident in their skin. And to me, I'm like, I don't see any shame. I mean, I'm a very humble, grateful, incredibly humble person, but I do internally. I'm like, I turn up the internal badass mode. I'm like, I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to rock it, or I'm going to go to this talk and I'm going to rock it because I feel incredible. I have so much energy. And of course, I'm always fasting when I do my public speaking events, always yes. so much mental clarity. Uh, and I just think it's, it's really empowering. And I don't think women should feel like they have to apologize for it. Unfortunately, we are also conditioned to believe that we have to be a little less than. We have to be a little less than, a little more submissive. I, I have, you know, I embrace divine feminine energy. I am a strong, confident woman, and I would love if everyone felt that way in their skin because I, I can't imagine living any differently. I wouldn't want to feel like I had to be less than who was who I was, you know, destined and, and you know desire to be. And also, I'm a I'm a mother of all boys, so I like them to know that you know women can be strong and confident and smart and accomplished, uh, you know, before anything else. I love it all, Cynthia. I'm on the same page, except for the humility. I have no humility whatsoever. <laughs> Got none of it. Uh, agree that women often take humility to another level where mm -hmm. everyone is in front of them and everyone is better than them. Mm -hmm. I am an incredible, amazing badass. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm great. And I know you are. And I know the woman next to me is. And my job is just to lift myself and everyone around me up. 
and, and not apologize for who I am and help them also figure out their dreams and help those dreams come true. So I, I love it. Uh, I'm just like fascinated by you. Okay. We should probably end this show. So Cynthia, I feel like everybody else who's listening is fascinated with you. I want to know everything. How can people work with you? Like, how do they find out if they're in the DC area? Can they work with you? If they don't live in the DC area, how can they, how can they find your stuff and read your stuff and watch your videos? We're definitely going to put both your TEDx talks on here and anything else. Tell us every way we can stalk you. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm very active on social media. That's probably the easiest way. Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. I have a free Facebook group called Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle backslash my name uh, where you can find me. And I, I tend to do a lot of content in there. It's a great place for me to bounce ideas off of, of what works, what doesn't work. Uh, first and foremost, I do work one-on-one with clients, but I'm kind of scaling that back. I do, however, have an amazing another advanced practice nurse and a clinical psychologist on my team who are taking new patients. Um, I do have group programs. I have one that's solely focused on intermittent fasting. It's called IF45. And I run that throughout the year, usually every quarter. And so I've got a group of amazing women that are in there right now and a couple men um, so that you can do that. I've got one other group program called Find Your Inner Goddess. Uh, and that's probably that in a podcast. I have, my, I have a podcast I co-host with Kelly Donahue Forey's that is called Everyday Wellness. And so we love bringing uh, other health and wellness professionals on there. And, and you can definitely get a feel for my personality as well as, you know, I've, I've been on quite a few other podcasts. You can kind of get a feel for what I sound like, what my voice is, but I'm all about empowerment. I'm all about positivity. I am someone that is all about lifting others up and being encouraging. There's no negativity in my world. It just don't have time for that. Uh, but yeah, that's probably the best way to find me out or obviously through my TED Talks, which are really, it's a cool way to communicate a message to uh, so many people. The idea worth sharing. Yeah. Cynthia, thank you so much for being our guest. We're going to post you. all those links and um, put this out so everybody can find Cynthia and read more of her stuff and watch her, both of her TEDx talks. I did a bad job and only watched one. So I need to okay. remedy that today. Cynthia, thanks so much for being our guest. And guys, thank you so much for being here on the Life and the Fasting Lane podcast. Until next time, to your health and hotness.